So remember yesterday in the fast lane? I know this is going real far back at fast lane at lane, wherever you listen to podcasts. But remember this comment we played in what he said and what he meant from Virginia Tech head football coach Brent Pry in his opening statement, mind you. After finding out that the Hokies would make it or had made it and would be playing Tulane in the Military Bowl, a game that takes place Wednesday, December 27th with a noon airtime on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. We've had some really strong, good meetings. I had 30 of them over four days. A lot of them related to retention, to NIL, uh, NFL opportunities, a lot of different things. So it's a big week, but super excited about the opportunity for the military bowl. Brent Pry, that was his comments earlier in this week. Uh, You know, all this stuff about roster retention and using this time for practice. And oh, by the way, we got a football game coming up. And I guess you can't blame him now because even the interim coach for Tulane, it was announced today, will be one of four staffers from the Green Wave going to Houston. Um, Remember last year, Liberty Flames fans? When, and to his credit, but Scott Simons, uh, or excuse me, Josh Aldridge, uh, not to get the two confused, but Josh Aldridge was the interim coach for Liberty last year and ultimately elected to go to Auburn. And granted, that was not official at that time, but you know he ended up going to Auburn and was kind of coy about it. But inevitably, you're kind of piecemealing things together. Liberty was when they went down to, uh, to Florida to play in their bowl game last year. Virginia Tech, they've got Tulane. Warm weather team, cold weather environment in Annapolis. I've been to the Military Bowl. It was the year of Virginia with Joe Reed from Randolph uh, Henry High School. Took the opening kickback for a touchdown, and I lo- leaned over to my dad and said, they still haven't shown they can stop the Navy rushing attack. And 49 Naval Academy points later, and zero for the Virginia Cavaliers, we had our answer into how that game was going to unfold. I was going to say, is I was at the last time Virginia Tech was in the Military Bowl. How about that? So you were there for the game against Cincinnati and Luke Fickle. Yes, sir. Luke Fickle, Cincinnati, before they were a playoff caliber team as yeah, a program. That was the year before they went to, that was uh, 20, it have been 20, what year? 17, I believe? 18. 18. Okay, 28. Was that the year they bought the game against Marshall at the end of the year so yep. they could become bowl eligible? Yep, that was my senior year. Okay, there I it is. I stood in the, fun fact, side story, um, at, at first I only had a sideline pass, I didn't think I had a press box, so it was a rainy day, and I didn't bring a rain jacket. That it was kind, of, but I like had a sweater on, so it was not like I was like freezing, freezing, but it wasn't like a torrential. It like stopped raining in the second half, and then I go up to the press box to get ready for the like I go up to the press box just to see what it was like, and it turns out I had a spot in the press box. We could always go on a total side note about how ridiculous it is that like half the ACC bowls. By the way, they used to have Detroit, but they've still got Boston, New York, Annapolis. Meanwhile, the Liberty Conference, Conference USA, has tie-ins for places like Orlando, the Cure Bowl, the Bahamas, the Bahamas in normal years, not this year when it's not being Hawaii there. Bowl, Hawaii right? Bowl in future years. Uh, I mean that that ought to show you how the ACC is so far behind. But anyway, yeah, but I bet you Cuse would trade the Bahamas Bowl for a tie-in to the Orange Bowl. So, well, I mean, look, you take the the Orange Bowl, but the rest of the tie-ins for the ACC are, are hey, not Duke's all. Mayo Bowl. And the Gator Bowl, they're not bad, but some of them are laughable. How ridiculous it is that that conference is, again, it's a boutique conference in a corporate world or trying to swim with the Sharks, so to speak. But anyway, for Virginia Tech, it goes back to what we mentioned about Brent Pry and the statement he made at the beginning of his Military Bowl press conference earlier this week. First one, learning of the news. And how so much of their focus was on roster retention. 
to the point of the ACC and their ridiculously bad bowl tie-ins and the lack of power they're willing to exert and the lack of the power that the ACC happens to have when it comes to college football realignment and college bowl selection and everything else. I think it makes what Virginia Tech's doing right now all the more remarkable. Look, this is a team that has momentum at the end of the year. Let, let's not kid ourselves because they started off one and three with the only win being against ODU. And then they managed to find themselves on the cusp of bowl eligibility and blew out Virginia in dominating fashion in Charlottesville 55-17 to punch their ticket to a bowl game and to really cap off a 6-6 six and six season with one there. It feels like it's going in the right direction. But for Virginia Tech, let, let, let's not kid ourselves. They're not bottom feeders, dregs of the ACC, or college football. They're also not able to compete with bigger name programs for name, image, and likeness. For example, Kyron Drones, who's coming back to Virginia Tech, um, you know he's the type of player you're going to have to kind of roll the dice on in the transfer portal. Has some upside, maybe hasn't proven any, everything, but you believe at some point you can find the right pieces systematically and skill players to complement to make the player excel or to help him excel, probably is a better way to phrase that. So that's where Virginia Tech is. But look at the transfer portal for an overview of where Virginia Tech happens to be right now. Two players have not made their intentions known. Running back, Basial Tootin, cornerback, Dorian Strong. In all honesty, Trey, I am much more expecting that they will leave Virginia Tech but head to the NFL than to another college. Running backs have a short shelf life. If you're tooting, you put enough on tape, you can be draft eligible this year. Get the bag as soon as possible. I know Tech fans don't want to hear it, but it's really, really hard to argue. With running backs and the wear and tear they take and the fact that they're not valued in the NFL, so the sooner you get to free agency, even if it's just a few franchise tags or a three-year deal based on that current times average of the franchise tag, you know, which right now is you know, about 10 to $12 million a year, I mean, that still is life-changing money. Not what it could be, not what it may justify the wear and tear, but it can set you up fairly well for the NFL. So if I'm tooting, why transfer from Virginia Tech to another school when if you could be drafted, and I think he had a good year for Virginia Tech, um, and really exploited the fact that their offensive line is still a work in progress with how young it is, you know, I, I expect that to happen. I, maybe it won't. Maybe it's more of a coin flip. And the other one's Dorian Strong, who had a really good year in the ACC, Yes, he was not a first-team All-ACC cornerback or second-team, which is ridiculous. But he's a guy that, and I mock a lot of the PFF grades with how nebulous they are, but a lot of the advanced stats of showing how little he was targeted and how well he performed when he was targeted, which are much more tangible than just slapping a PFF grade on it, not telling you who put the grade on it or how they came to that conclusion. Dorian Strong had a really good year for Virginia Tech. Well, if you can defend the pass at cornerback, you're probably going to be sought after not just in the portal, but again, in the NFL. And portal deals can be big, but NFL deals, getting you to the second contract, can often be bigger. And we see a run on edge rushers and pass rushers, so defensive linemen. We see a run on offensive linemen, and we see a run on cornerbacks and oftentimes wide receivers, but particularly cornerbacks because good ones are harder to find than wide receivers. College game doesn't produce a lot of them. Uh, you know, you, you've got all that. It speaks to Virginia Tech. Why I bring that up just to start the fast lane, frankly, is if you look at the rest of the transfer portal for Virginia Tech and who has come back to Virginia Tech, everybody that's come back and has announced so far they're coming back to Virginia Tech are guys that you would have wanted returning if you are a Hokie supporter. Quarterback Kyron Drones, defensive lineman Josh Fuga, and Antoine Powell-Ryland. 
who, you know, maybe if you're APR, you find that grad transfer out to transfer and be eligible a second time. Or Fuga, good on the defensive line, maybe not the measurables that a big power program would want, but again, you've shown you can play at a high level on the D-line. Somebody will take you and pay you more money. So for Virginia Tech, it shows they've got a good NIL setup in place relative to the ACC and relative to uh, what Virginia Tech fans should expect, which is to be able to retain the majority of their key contributors. And again, no word on Monts or Delane either at cornerback. I would be worried if I'm a Virginia Tech fan that he might end up leaving and going to an SEC school where they're desperate for cornerbacks and he's not eligible, Delane, to go to the NFL. So just foul that in the back of your head. But pretty much everybody else, outside of Derek Canteen, whom you like to have retained, um, transferring after transferring from Georgia Southern to Virginia Tech this year, is back in the portal. Look at who all else is leaving. Wide receiver Dwayne Lofton, the running backs, Chance Black and Bryce Duke for Virginia Tech, the offensive lineman Johnny Dixon, and I know those are hard to come by, but none of them were really part of the rotation or plans. Doesn't it speak trade to the fact that for Virginia Tech, they're identifying guys on their roster that they don't believe will have a future and showing them directly, hey, we don't think there's much of a future for you for playing time. And it may sound cold and calculated to kind of nudge those guys off your roster, but this is how bigger name programs do it is identifying those replaceable players and if they're motivated by playing time, ushering them out. And it leads to the other point, which is very fascinating to follow, and that is something we touched on briefly yesterday in the fast lane. But defensive tackle Kennedy Charles of Liberty could have gone to a major Power 5 program in the offseason and may have had other offers out there. I know of at least one that was out there for him. He was injured at the beginning of this year, kind of a nagging injury, and then suffered the lower body injury, the leg injury, that knocked him out for the remainder of the season. Again, from a raw, cold, calculated business standpoint, I can't imagine his value is super high. But that said, good defensive linemen have value. He's a guy that may be slightly undersized, but often has fit the description of what Virginia Tech is looking for. And I'll credit Damien Sordolet of Roanoke.com. He's familiar with Charles because Sordolet covered him when Damien uh, Dame was with NewsAdvance.com covering the Liberty Flames. But I could easily see that being a a very good match for Kennedy Charles. I could see Virginia Tech going after a guy like that. It kind of fits the profile. Maybe not the best measurables, but really good production. Great character and leadership. And a guy that if you're a Liberty fan, while you'd hate to see him leave, I don't think you can blame him because he came back. He helped a lot of that team stick together during the offseason when the 50% attrition could have been greater. And now he's going on to, to better his chances if I'm a Liberty fan, I absolutely, you got to support a guy like that, even if you hate losing a leader like Kennedy Charles, and maybe even more so if you hate the fact that he might go to a place like Virginia Tech. So that's an overview of Virginia Tech, but it kind of gives you an overview as well of the health of a program into the transfer portal. Speaking of, there's more from the transfer portal, more from the coaching carousel, and yes, a little bit of free agency as well that we get to cover right now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Speaking of the transfer portal and the Virginia Tech Hokies, as we mentioned a moment ago, Tulane will have four members of their coaching staff, including the interim head coach, who's the acting head coach for the Military Bowl, all following head coach Willie Fritz from the Green Wave to Houston. Among those other players that are departing, though, key pieces for Tulane, are wide receiver Chris Braswell. 6'5", 
almost 200 pounds from Texas. So he'll have three years of eligibility remaining and a pretty solid year for a freshman. 44 catches, 711 yards, and five touchdowns. Just watch out for this for Tulane. The betting lines have already adjusted. It opened up with Virginia Tech as about a three, three and a half point favor. That number has gotten steamed up to eight. Um, you know, it may go even north of that. And, and I get you can question the motive to a certain extent of Virginia Tech with the coaching staff focused on so much else, early signing day, the transfer portal, and everything else. But at least they've got the pieces intact and the systems in place. I have a lot of questions about what Tulane is going to be putting out there when Virginia Tech plays. And who knows, maybe this will be the reverse of the pinstripe bowl. And for Virginia Tech fans, Trey, you'd probably like to see something like that. Yeah, no OC, no DC, no defensive line coach, and no receivers coach. And an analyst who's... Uh, all not going to be at Tulane. Obviously, John Summerall announced today as the head coach at Tulane. I don't know if you were going to do that next, so I might be... Were you going to say that? No, I was okay. not, but thank you for bringing that point but up. But no, so... Um, yeah, I mean, and I'm assuming Michael Pratt will not play in the game. Uh, my guess is because he's either going to the draft or the portal, and that's Tulane's best player. So, uh, yeah, I think valuing the practices, which Coach Pry has already mentioned, is probably bigger than the game itself, given... It could be an exhibition game, given what Tulane could be dealing with. It could, but it could be one that sets up favorably for Virginia Tech. Get some momentum at least, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And fans to enjoy and really feel good heading into spring ball and next year. Speaking of transitions, free agency, and the like. Number four. Trey, you have the Foul Ball Area podcast, and you had your co-host on Wednesday's edition of the Fast Lane. That interview is up. Fast Lane, Ned Lane, wherever people listen to podcasts. New episode out right now? Um, it is. Right ahead of the potential news of Shohei Otani, who is Ooh. reportedly... Oh, do we have breaking news on that? Yeah. Uh, you're about to say he's reportedly heading to Toronto. Can I drop the reportedly? Uh, no, you can drop that it, he's not in Toronto. Bob Nightingale actually disputed that report, who is the USA Today Major League Comlis, So he's actually in Southern California. So... But, I would just phrase it like this. It, it's probably between the Blue Jays and the Dodgers for Shohei Otani. So you feel that way. And, of course, your Yankees just acquired Juan Soto in Woo-hoo! a trade. And we're getting Yamamoto. So you are, you're confident you're going to get that Japanese pitcher as well. I, I have to have faith. I mean, I'm a Phillies fan and would love to get him. They'll find a way to botch that. I would expect your Yankees to do that. We can get a full grade on the offseason later trade, but so far, those are the three big headlines right now. How are you feeling about how that shapes the AL East and, uh, well, the Baltimore Orioles, a local team that had a good year but are not in that type of stratosphere? So as a baseball fan, I actually want him to end up with the Dodgers. It's like the one of the most iconic franchises. He'd play every game in... Who is in, him to the Otani. Okay. Otani. I'm talking about Otani. Like... It'd be cool for him to be on the Blue Jays just because it's a different team. Um, and and they, they've shown an ability to make the playoffs, unlike the Los Angeles Angels, which is a good thing. Um, but I, I think about it like this. It is hard for a casual baseball fan, one, to watch the Toronto Blue Jays because they're, they're in Toronto, and two, to go to a Toronto Blue Jays game because they're in Toronto. But Toronto's have made a big push for it. Can I interject? It'd be easier for him to go to Detroit, which is just on the other side hey, of Canada. Hey, shout um, uh, Yeah. Because it's easier to get there. But he's not going to the Tigers. No, no, no. I'm just saying hypothetically. He's going to get $600 million, whether it's from the Blue Jays or the Dodgers. And maybe he ends up with the Dodgers and stays in L.A. because he likes living in Southern California. Those are moves that have taken place. Speaking of moves that have taken place... Two that are officially taking place. Number three. Include Duke hiring former Miami Hurricanes head coach and current or recently current 
Penn State defensive coordinator, the replacement for Brent Pry, Manny Diaz as the new head football coach of the Duke Blue Devils. Um, he had some perplexing losses with Miami, but I am fascinated by this hire, Trey, because he's a high-energy guy. He's willing to recruit. Duke football can use all the pizzazz and excitement. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. He'll have a pretty long leash in Durham, especially if he has a modicum of success. Um, and this is a guy that brings that to Miami or brought that to Miami and kind of called a raw deal because when it became obvious Cristobal might go back to Miami and they wanted the big name established coach that they thought could recruit and perform at a higher level. And you, know, you can debate how that's actually going to transpire for the Hurricanes. Um, Diaz got the ax out of that. Again, I don't think he did things right in certain spots, particularly preventing the inevitable and always prevalent late season crashes that the Hurricanes always seem to exhibit. But I'm fascinated by this because he brings a jolt of energy to a Duke program that could clearly use anything along those lines. Speaking of changes in coaching staffs. Number two. So JMU naming Holy Cross head coach Bob Chesney as the new Duke's head coach. Um... Record-wise, he was great at Holy Cross. 111 and 46, seven conference titles in his 14 seasons at the D3, the D2, and the 1AA FCS levels. Um, if you're JMU, truthfully, this is probably the type of guy you're going to go after. You're going to go after a guy that may be a proven head coach, but probably not a proven Power 5 coach. And I, I get the comparisons of JMU to Liberty and that fans don't like each other from those schools. But let's be honest, JMU doesn't have the same volume of dollar, dollar bills, y'all, that the Liberty Flames have. And inevitably, if you want to be able to get proven coaches like Jamie Chadwell, I mean, again, Liberty has great resources to win. They're a program that faithfully aligns with Jamie Chadwell. But they also were able to pay him $4 million or so dollars a year when he was being offered to go from $800,000 to a million at Western Kentucky, or excuse me, at Coastal Carolina. So that's part of it. And speaking of Holy Cross, if you're a Virginia Tech fan and you think you could use offensive line play, if you're a Virginia fan and you're thinking you could, if you're a Liberty fan and you're thinking you can, Liberty's got a pretty strong NIL relative to the group of five. I would not be expecting a guy like Holy Cross offensive tackle Luke Newman to enter the tra- who entered the transfer portal to come to either of those schools. Yes, he's an FCS preseason All-American this past year. Yes, he's a three-time All-Patriot League selection who could be a player at any type of program. But that's part of the reason why. Offensive linemen, go back to the case of the kid from Lord Botetot High School in Roanoke who transferred as a swing backup offensive lineman for App State. And he bypassed his home Virginia Tech Hokies to go to Oklahoma because they had better NIL. That's how difficult it is to find those type of players. So, no, I would not expect a highly sought-after offensive lineman from Holy Cross to follow Holy Cross head coach Bob Chesney to JMU, nor do I expect him at any of the other schools in the Commonwealth of Virginia because they just don't have the dollar, dollar bills, y'all. to compete with other programs that are willing to pay more. Speaking of the Commonwealth of Virginia and speaking of potential coaching moves, and number one on the Fast Five at five-ish. The rumors are out there that Liberty Flames offensive coordinator Willie Korn could be on his way to the reverse Trey Lyle. Of course, Trey Lyle came to us from the glorious state of Kansas. 
I was actually confused when you send that as the the message today. I was thinking you were thinking Kennedy Charles going from LU to VT because that could be the reverse. I mean, he is. He's going from he could could Kennedy Charles from Lynchburg to Blacksburg. So Trey going but, the reverse, Blacksburg to Lynchburg. So, but this is a good one. This is why well, I, I you know what? I give me credit. I did highlight this for you. You did bring this up, Trey, and I appreciate your uh, bringing this to our attention because it's out there. Um, Truthfully, I thought if Virginia Tech moved on from Tyler Bowen, and this was something we loosely brought up in the, after the first third, first quarter of the season for Virginia Tech, when it looked like, eh, maybe they might make an offensive coordinator change from Tyler Bowen. And if they did, Willie Korn would be a guy to consider because the Jamie Chabal system is very effective. Korn was at Clemson, so he's got Power 5 experience. And, you know, if you're Korn, at some point, if you want to become a head coach, it's not about leaving Liberty It's about being able to show your offensive acumen can stand separate from Jamie Chabwell. If I'm Liberty, I want something like this to happen. Again, I know it sounds weird to say if you're Liberty, you want to lose your offensive coordinator, but this is Jamie Chabwell's offense. You want to show you can continue to cultivate and develop assistant coaches to grow on the offensive side of the ball and move on to greener pastures because it makes you more attractive as a program. And never say never, but if a guy like Willie Korn goes to Kansas State or somewhere else and succeeds, and a guy like Willie Korn becomes a head coach somewhere else and Jamie Chabwell down the road leaves Liberty for some other more desirable job, maybe he could come right back to the Hill City. These things often have a case of going full circle, uh, but if I'm Liberty, yeah, absolutely absolutely embrace this opportunity as much as you may not want to lose an offensive coordinator. I was going to say also with K-State, five-star quarterback Avery Johnson, who played a little bit this year. Will Howard's obviously in the transfer portal, and they've already won a Big 12 championship. You know K-State will have a really good offensive line. It's probably, uh, you know, a couple... You know, despite the the resources at Liberty, it's probably a couple resources that Willie Corn might has never seen compared to what's here at Liberty. Well, I mean, it, maybe not you know resources, talent, like talent wise. Ta- okay, there you go. I, I get it. Okay, anyway, so they have on- nice facilities in Manhattan. I just want to point that. out. I, look, I'll take your word for it. Cause I've you been in that there. stadium. It's a great stadium. Trey, you've been out there. I have no clue what it's like in Kansas, but alas, we're not in Kansas anymore. At least talking. His last wise. name also fits. Yes, there's lots of corn out there. Um, Meanwhile, speaking of Willie Corn and the Liberty Flames, more on that around 545 with John Manson. Heck, more of that next with WSET's Dave Walls. there is your Fast Five at 5 As Dave Walls will join us momentarily here in the Fast Lane.